So let's have our reading. Um, Ian's going to read uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 1 to 10 for us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, gave, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And Christ raised us, and God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, and no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It would be really helpful if you can have that text open before you in your Bibles this morning. Uh, we're back in Ephesians, and we're coming back to Ephesians um, in the spirit of chapter 1, uh, verse 17 to 18, where, where Paul said, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you my prayers. I keep asking, I keep asking, he says, I persistently ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So we're coming back to this text. We were, were only here five years ago. If you want to see the sermon from five years ago, uh, it's on the WhatsApp chat or you've had it by email. But we're coming back to it because we recognize there is always more to be learned. The eyes of our heart needs to be enlightened so that these messengers, these messages um, get lodged there. And so um, let me pray as we start. Father God, please send your Holy Spirit upon us this morning uh, as we hear this word, as we try and unpack it. Please be to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Please enlighten our hearts. We might know you better, that we might know better uh, the hope to which we've been called, and we might know better the power that you have put at work in us and for us. It's worked already. And it continues to work. Help us understand it more this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the confusions of the Christian life is that Christians get very confused about when and where to be active and when and where to be passive. What is God's job in the Christian life and what is ours? It's one of the key arts of living the Christian life um, with joy and, and with pleasure. And the key point that I want you to start, uh, that I want you to understand today, is that everything starts with God. Everything starts with God. As you'll notice, no PowerPoint again today. You've had the sermon notes by WhatsApp uh, or, or on email. I had one response to my question, how was that for you? And the response was, uh, I was expecting not to like it, essentially, but, but it worked really well. So if you want the PowerPoint, you, you, have, to, uh, you have to get on the chat. Um, 
pleased to say that um, Zoom seemed to have um, found a way of doing both. It's still in beta testing, which mean, basically means you, that they give it to you and you break it. Um, but we might see whether that works in, in coming weeks. Uh, but for the moment, you've got the notes. There it is. Um, I'm looking at you and, and you're looking at me. Everything starts with God. Um, cosmically speaking, everything starts with God. The, the, you know that. The existence of the universe starts with God. He's the creator who made everything out of nothing. Before creation, there was simply God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in harmony and joy with one another. It all started with him. It leaves a big question, where did God come from? To which I think the answer is, he didn't. He didn't come from because he's eternal and we can't get our heads around that. But the alternative to the fact that God created is that um, the universe started itself and everything that follows is one big accident. The upside of that for sinners is that we can stay king of our own lives if everything is um, accidental and there is no God. But the downside of that uh, accidental view is that life is by definition a meaningless. It cannot have any meaning. Uh, but as Christians, we take the view, I trust you know it, um, that it all starts with God. It is his initiative. When you look out of the window in the morning, you need to remember that. Um, that this universe out there if, that you can see uh, is it, not an accident. It was something started by God, uh, created by God. And it is only going on because God sustains it. Everything starts with God, cosmically speaking. Everything starts with God, um, personally speaking. Out, out of this creation, in time, came you, whoever you are out there this morning. You didn't choose to be born. From your point of view, it just happened. It was something in which you were entirely passive. It, it just happened to you. You were born. Yes, your uh, parents made a decision, um, but you didn't. Actually, God made you. You created my inmost being, the psalmist says. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's interesting. This is, in a sense, then, uh, an act of uh, uh, sovereignty on the part of God, on the, on the, uh, on the part, um, and under God, on the part of our parents. And it's, not, it's kind of sovereignty that, interestingly, we, we don't fight with it most of the time. We just accept that that's the way things are. Everything starts with God, cosmically speaking. Everything starts with God, personally speaking. Um, everything starts with God, spiritually speaking. And I think if you uh, listened carefully and just honestly and open-mindedly to the text we've looked at already, particularly chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, um, you, would, you would see that already. If you look again at that language, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he, he's blessed us, because he chose us, because he predestined us, because he gave us, um, because he lavished grace upon us, because he made himself and his plan known. Um, he, all things are working. This is important. All things working um, to, to what he has purposed. And that purpose is to gather everything together uh, under Christ. I think you would have to say that Paul deliberately says you've been blessed by all these things in, in which you took no action. In the same way that the way you were born, um, you, you took no action. In, in this text, there's, there's, there's no action on your part apart from um, verse 13, uh, where, you, where he says, you also, he's talking to 
primarily to Gentile Christians in Ephesians, and, and therefore we are, uh, as it were, their descendants. And he says, you believed, you were included when you believed. When did all these acts of God happen? Well, in, in plan, before the creation of the world. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. So uh, that happened uh, before creation. In action, it happened uh, when Jesus died and, and rose again. And in application, it happened when you heard and believed the gospel. But I think even from that text, maybe specifically from that text, we can see that the initiative in all good spiritual things uh, that have happened in your life rests with the Lord. I want to encourage you to, to take it as face value um, and then wrestle down the implications. So rather than try and twist time or uh, explain some of this away, uh, try and accept that, uh, that you are predestined to believe in Christ and God chose you before the creation of the world. And then try and wrestle it down. Then try and wrestle down why... If, if you have, um, that makes you uneasy, try and wrestle down what are the, what are the feelings that I have. Um, and then from that point, try and work out what, what does the Bible, what does the Bible really say? Because it, it does make us uh, struggle. Uh, we worry about predestination when it comes to our loved ones. What, what happens if they're not predestined um, to trust Christ? It's a really painful um, thought but actually I think it's a, a, a fruitless line uh, of investigation and we could um, turn it on in its head and look at it like this it, whose will is it prevails this is the key question does does the human will prevail do people have free will um, and their will prevails and, and they choose God or not or does God's will prevail which means that God's will overrules human wills and, and does God's will prevail Ultimately, in fact, it's a bit of a false distinction to set them against one another. But I just want to set this, if you're thinking about your, your loved ones, do you, would you rather say, no, they, we must have free will. They, they have free will. Well, if they have free will, they have free will to resist God um, until the end of their lives and, and, to, and to die unsaved. And you can pray to God to to change their hearts. But if they have free will, he is powerless to do so. That's essentially what we're saying. We're saying that their will prevails. God is actually powerless to intervene because it must come as an act of their free will. Or would we rather say that it's God's will that prevails? Because if God's will who prevails, God is that God who you know um, from promises in the Bible, he is your prayers. And he is the God who you know from experience. Um, answers your prayers and would you rather go forward in, in the knowledge that um, you have prayed you have brought it before the Lord in, in prayer and God has and God is, is the final actor in this haven't got time to go into this in detail um, we worry about being predestined in, in terms of ourselves we, we think I was chosen before Christ, before the creation of the world. Um, because it wounds our pride, basically. I think if you're really honest with yourself, you'll find um, we struggle with this. A big part of the struggle is, is it just wounds our pride. Uh, we don't like this idea that God chose us 
for no reason other than that he chose us. We desperately want to say, God chose me because he was nice, because I was nice. God chose me because um, I, I believed. And, and, uh, and what this passage says, uh, as we'll see as we go on to chapter two, is that God chose you for no reason other than that he was gracious towards you. And it wounds our pride. And, and, pride is, uh, and pride is like undone shoelaces in the Christian life. That's what I would say. Pride is like undone shoelaces in the Christian life. It trips you up. Yeah, you step on it and you, you do a pratfall on your nose. Or pride is, like, pride is like trying to ride a bike in the Christian life and then sticking a, um, sticking a stick in, in, in between the spokes. It just makes it impossible to, to progress. So going back to verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, I, I think we have to say that it is God's initiative that, that perverts. And then after laying out all those blessings, Paul prayed this prayer that we, that we started with, that we would know, and that our hearts would be enlightened, that we would know the hope to which we're called um, and the power that raised Christ from the dead. And today, now, in today's passage, Paul spells out what this power has done. This is where it's worth having a Bible open in front of you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But this is the key sentence, and actually this is the, the only verb in Paul's sentence. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you've been saved God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions before God intervened in your life you were dead in transgressions okay you were a spiritual corpse okay it's, if you've grown up in a Christian family, sometimes that's less easy to see. If you became a Christian out of a, a completely non-Christian background, it's easier to see. But it is true either way that before uh, you were a Christian, you were a spiritual cause. And as, and as such, uh, Paul says, I'm not going to go into this in detail, but it's here in the text, you have no protection from Satan. Satan is the one uh, who sets the spiritual direction of, of society around us. He's the spirit who's now working those who are disobedient. You used to follow the ways of, the, of that world as Satan set them up. You had no power other than to kind of follow uh, what everybody else did. And you had no power to do anything other than follow uh, what he calls the cravings of our flesh, which were the desires inside, inside you. So before you were Christian, you, you had no spiritual life. You had no spiritual help and therefore no power to do anything about your situation other than uh, follow the ways that everybody else did. Um, which are ultimately uh, established by Satan. And as such, you were, you were a child of wrath. You deserved God's anger, God's wrath for that. He doesn't boil over, he doesn't blow up, but his wrath is his settled anger against, against sin. 
But the good news, God made us alive with Christ. That with is so important. Made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Christ. I think that means uh, that when Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead too in Christ. When Christ is seated at the right hand of God, you too um, spiritually were seated at the right hand of God when that happened. And that can only be true if God knew ahead of time those he was going to choose. You were made alive in and with Christ's resurrection and you are seated um, in the presence of God uh, spiritually when Christ was seated. I don't know how that works, except that it works by us receiving the Holy Spirit when we, when we, when we trust Christ. And the illustration for this is Lazarus in the tomb. If you think of Lazarus, he died, he was definitely dead, he was, he was uh, uh, three plus days dead, uh, four days dead, and he was in his tomb, and Jesus came along and he called him, uh, and that calling both uh, made him alive and made him able um, to stand up and respond to the call of Christ to come out of the tomb. When you think about it, that's clear, isn't it? That's obvious, and actually it's essential and indispensable. Uh, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, but he can't come out because he's dead. He can only, uh, he can only come out if at the same time that the, the, the call comes, he, he is made alive. And that's what happened to you. At some point, you, you heard the call of Christ um, and responded in faith. But in that moment, it was the call of Christ that made you alive and able to walk out um, and, and to trust him. So a key question for today um, is who takes the initiative in your salvation? And the answer is, it is the Lord. It is God. And Paul wants to spell this out. It is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace. Through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. What does he mean by this? He means that whole thing that's gone before, um, that, uh, the grace and the faith. This not from yourselves, neither the grace offered to you in Christ, nor the faith that you used to, took it, to take it up, came from yourselves. They were both, um, in and of themselves, a gift of God. And in case you doubt that's what it really means, then Paul says, not by works, not by human effort, so that no one can boast. If it was by human effort, then you'd have something to boast about. Uh, even if it, even if your work, even if your effort was to say, "Well, well, I believed and they did, and they didn't," it it would be a work. You would have something to boast about. I believed, um, they they didn't believe. No, it's a gift, not by works, so that no one um, can boast. For we are God's handiwork, listen, created in Christ Jesus to do um, good works. If you didn't already believe what I'm saying, that God took this initiative um, to save you um, and to raise you um, in, in Christ, 
then listen, God has created you in Christ. He has made you a new creation in Christ. You can't do that of yourselves. It is he who has made you alive and made you a new creation in Christ. Um, and what are you created in Christ for? To do good works, which God prepared um, in advance for us to do. Now, you notice what that means is that there is nothing of which you can boast. You can't boast because God has, has, has rescued you in Christ. But you can't even boast of the good works that you do in Christ. Even, even the good stuff that you do as a Christian um, is something that God has prepared um, in advance for you to do. So I want to try and pick this apart in a kind of, in practically just in a couple of minutes. What, what, what does this mean? Well, everything begins with God. Um, cosmically, the universe begins with God. Personally, your natural life began with God. Um, spiritually, your spiritual life, um, it began with God. It was God's initiative. Spiritually, you've been chosen by God before creation. You were raised and seated with Christ when he was raised and seated. And it became effective in your life when you trusted Christ. And even that trust was a gift of God. Now, our culture... If you want to be great in our culture, then it says you have this precisely the opposite. The people that we that we value, the people that we esteem, um, are the self-made women and the self-made men. All the more so in American culture, but in our culture too. And Eugene Peterson says that we need an acquired passivity um, in in the Christian life. And acquired passivity. And we need to pick apart what this means. And I think we've been slightly misled by this, um, this quote, which is uh, attributed to Augustine, but I'm not entirely sure it is by him. Um, it's said that he said, um, pray as if it all depends on God. And then work as if it all depended on, on, on you. And, and I understand what it mean, what it means. Um, but I think we've been. But I think it leads leads us astray. I think you should pray as if it all depends on God, because after all, whatever you do, it does. And then you should act as if it all depends on God, because it does. And what does that mean in practice? I think first of all, you should accept that you can't justify yourself. So that, this is perhaps one of the key things to take away from this morning. You should, um, whatever happens, in whatever circumstances you find yourself in, in the Christian life, don't try to justify yourself before the Lord. You cannot and you do not need to. You will be tempted. You will have tried this. So keep an eye on what you're saying to the Lord because um, it will happen particularly uh, when you sinned and you'll say to the Lord, oh, I'm going to try a lot harder. Well, your effort is required. But it is not your effort that is going to make a difference. And it is not by trying harder that you're going to justify yourself, be forgiven in the meantime. You can only be forgiven one way. And that is at the cross. And that is by coming back to the cross. And that is by accepting that you cannot justify yourself. Secondly, I suggest that we need to recognise that the initiative in all things of spiritual worth is always God's. The initiative in all things of spiritual worth is always God's. 
lest the Lord builds a house, the labours labour in vain. Thirdly, realise that the glory always goes to him. It's not about you and your reputation. It's about God and his glory. Fourthly, um, look back and give thanks. Make it a practice to look back and give thanks for what God has done in, in and through you. I think we see God's initiative best in retrospect. Maybe now when you look back on your conversion, you can, you can see that there, it was a moment, um, and maybe it's clearer in retrospect that God chose you really the, rather than, than you chose God. But I think it's, it is a general rule. When we look back, uh, we see in retrospect that, that God has taken the initiative. But we miss that because we don't often reflect. Fifthly, I think I've lost, I've lost count now. Um, keep in step with the Spirit, Paul says. Listen for the promptings of what the Spirit is, 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 is laying on your heart and just do it and, and walk in it. And Paul says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And I almost want to say um, it's like a dance in which you're... Um, the Holy Spirit, God by His Spirit, is the kind of lead. He takes the lead, and and uh, and you dance along. But it, but it kind of brings out horrible uh, memories of, of singing um, "Lord of the Dance" in primary school. Um, uh, and I looked up the background to that the other day, and the guy said he wasn't writing a Christian song. Um, do you know it? Um, you remember it? Some people do. Um, I'm the Lord of the Dance, said he, um, and he wrote it. He was he was. Um, it was prompted by a, a little statue of Shiva. Um, so it's not, it's not a Christian song. Um, and a lot of rubbish is, is said about, um, about dancing. Um, but there is a sense in which the Christian life is, 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 is a walk in, in which the, um, the, the spirit will prompt you. As we said already, it, it's a being yoked with Christ. And Christ doesn't come along and offer you a, a yoke to enslave you or to burden you. Christ comes on and offers you a yoke so you can so you have the power to do the things actually that the Spirit is putting on the heart for you to do. The yoke is to empower you, not to disempower you. The yoke is to uh, keep you safe in a direction, to protect you from wandering off, not to, not to um, enslave you. So it's a subtle thing, this Christian life. It's not about what we do. This is Eugene Peterson. The Christian life is, is not about what we do. It's about what we participate in. God is already at work. He has been at work since creation. His grace is at work, even out there in that creation this morning. His common grace, yes, and potentially his, his, his saving grace. All our works, he says, are a participation in God's work, all our works are, our, are, our, are a, particip a participation in God's work. So quite often I've gone out into situations thinking, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what use I'm going to be in this situation. Um, uh, I've got no idea what I ought to be saying or who I ought to be speaking to. As a pastor, you feel you ought to, you ought to be doing these things. And then I remind myself and pray just that Jesus would have gone before me. Um, 
but she has. It's prepared in advance good works for me to do, and I and I pray to him um, that he will uh, lead me in them. So I wonder whether you look back at those kind of maybe good conversations you've had with uh, friends, family, work colleagues about um, about your Christian faith when you last spoke to somebody about that. Did you did you did you plan that conversation? Think for me, ninety five percent of the time, no, I didn't. But had I prepared, but had I prayed for an opportunity, yes, I had in the main. But God's gracious and sometimes gives us opportunities where, um, where we haven't asked. Did I, had I prepared for that conversation? Sometimes, sometimes. The most prolific point in my Christian life was quite early on. I was desperate to lead people to the Lord. I had a little, I always had a little tract in my back pocket. Um, and I prayed to the Lord that he would use me. And a handful of conversations started up in which people came to know the Lord. But when you look back, you think, how did that conversation start? And the answer is always, I don't know. Um, it just did. And that's what it's like to, to, walk, uh, to walk under the yoke of Christ, um, to go forward uh, in, in the Christian life with him, participating in what he is doing. It is always a participation in what he's doing. So I don't know whether this illustration helps. I'm coming to an end. Um, Eugene Peterson says that grace is like a stream, um, like a never-failing, crystal-clear stream. Um, and our works are, are just a bucket by which we go and collect grace. We put our bucket under the stream and, and, and receive grace for ourselves when we say that. Although when we walk away, we realise that it was only by God's grace that we held the bucket there in the first place. And we put the bucket under the stream of grace when we want to, when we want to bless other people. Though afterwards, if we're truthful, we realise that the Lord prompted us to do that too. So I want to kind of um, ask you to, to join me in, in prayer. I want you to pray the Lord will use you. Well, actually, first, I want you to sit and accept that you can't justify yourself. Just rest in the justification of Christ. I want you to look back and give thanks. I want you to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I want you to realise that um, we're just participating in the works that God is doing, that God is already doing in his creation, that he has been doing since creation. And my Father is at work until this day, Jesus said. And then pray. Pray that the Lord will use you today and in the days that come. I don't think Ephesians has been timely for us because I think one of the things we need to do as a church um, is to be making community connections. Some of you do this automatically. It comes, some of you, it just comes like breathing. For others, we've got ourselves a bit um, locked into um, a church-centered life where we don't connect with people. I want you to pray. What, where is the place outside church that God might have some good work for you to do? And I want you to pray, what might God have for me uh, to do today, this week? Might be you're already involved, uh, um, uh, a good proportion of people in, in work somewhere. You're already involved in some, something out there. What might Jesus already be doing there? Uh, what might he have prepared out there in advance for me to do? And pray and listen this week and let God lead you.
Let me try. Lord, help us um, rest in you for salvation. Help us admit we contributed nothing to it. In the same way that Lazarus contributed nothing uh, to getting up and coming out of the tomb. Thank you that you made us alive with Christ. With Christ when he became alive and was seated in the heavenly realms. Thank you. That spiritually we're seated with you. You're prepared to have us in your presence. Help us now, Lord, learn to, to walk in the things that you are doing. We ask you to lay on our hearts this week. And in the weeks that come, Lord, lead us into things that you are doing that we can participate in. Lord, these are difficult and even dangerous times. And we are tired and we are stressed. Life is different. And we ask, Lord Jesus, will you come aside and come alongside each one of us and help us come back under your yoke? Not to be enslaved, but to be guided, and not to be disempowered, but to be empowered and strengthened. And we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.